Welcome to Bioethics and Us, a podcast aimed at young adults and dedicated to shedding light on the most pressing modern ethical issues in medicine, healthcare, and research in biology. Today we are joined by Dr. Jatin Shah, the director of the Mumbai Fertility Clinic and IVF Center. He is a specialist in the practice of assisted reproductive technologies, including IVF, oocyte sperm and embryo donation, gestational surrogacy, and much, much more. He is one of the best IVF doctors in India and has successfully established pregnancies in more than 17,000 infertile couples since 1994. In this episode, we will focus on the field of assisted reproductive technology and its ethical implications. Hi, doctor. Um, Hi. Firstly, could you please elaborate on what assisted reproductive technology is and what are some of the procedures that it consists of? So, you know, basically we know that infertility is a huge problem. And, you know, when I started practice about 28 years ago, the WHO statistics were that one in 16 couples are infertile. Then gradually it increased about 10 years ago. It was brought up to one in eight. Today, you know, they have done a large study in the metropolitan cities and they found that in the age group of 30 to 40, the incidence of infertility is 50% by zero. So it means that almost every second couple who gets married in their 30s is likely to need ART. Now, fortunately, 42 years ago, we had this big breakthrough with the birth of Louis Brown when, you know, we had the world's first IVF baby born. So, to keep it uh, short and sweet, you know, the basic techniques that we have today, one is a very simple technique called IUI, that is intrauterine insemination. So, that is, say, for example, uh, you know, uh, marriage is not consummated or there is a problem with the deposition of the sperm or the sperm counts are borderline low and the couple is just newly married, the wife is very young. Then we do just a simple intrauterine insemination that has a success rate of about 15 to 20%. But for most of the other patients, if they've tried all that and they've failed with the conventional treatments, they usually end up with an IVF program. So the basic technique is IVF, in vitro fertilization, where we give some hormone injections to the wife so that she produces more eggs than the normal one egg. And when the eggs are ready, we'll you know give her a short anesthetic for five minutes. And with a small needle, we pick up all the eggs in about five or 10 minutes. The same day, we take the husband's semen sample and then we put them together in a petri dish that is conventional IVF. Now, uh, as you know, you know almost 50 to 60 percent of infertility is because of the male partner. So the sperms are not good, the count is not good, the motility is not good. So there we add on a variant which is called ICSI, that is intracytoplasmic sperm injection. So here we actually go and pick up one single sperm and inject it into the egg. So even if the count is very low, almost zero, we can still manage to give the couple their own biological child. So till here everything is fine, you know, but the ethical aspects start coming in when we move on to the next level and that is third party reproduction, you know, so we have uh, a lot of patients where say the sperm count is absolutely zero and you might have seen the movie Wiki Donor, you know, where there's a semen bank and so the patient is likely to need a sperm donor or say the wife is menopausal or has a very low egg reserve and she might need an egg donor or both the partners have major problems and they need an embryo donor or the uterus is not proper and she needs a surrogate mother. So these are the third party reproduction methods that we have. Yeah. Egg donation, sperm donation, embryo donation and surrogacy. And a lot of your ethical issues do arise with the third party reproduction. Yeah. So according to you, what were the main ethical issues that arise from such um, reproductive technology be? And yeah. So as far as donors are concerned, you know, we have the ICMR guidelines right now and the ethical way to do it is, you know, we need to have an anonymous donor 
the donor should not be known in the indian you know joint family system traditional you know we are all closely knit a lot of time we have requests that you can use my sister's egg or my baby's egg or something like that so that is you know these are practices to be discouraged we don't want any future psychological issues to the child so the ethical way to do it is to have an absolutely anonymous donor so neither of the partners you know the husband or the wife should know the identity of the donor and that is very very important from the baby's point of view and from the couple's point of view so all these kind of requests are not to be entertained you know the same way with sperm donation too then there are age limits of as to who can be a donor so none of these things should be violated that the donor should not donate too many times you know we don't want too many children from the same donor in the same city otherwise they are likely to meet and they are half siblings and you know all kinds of complications can occur so these are lot of ethical issues that who should be a donor how many times they can donate how many offspring should be allowed per donor so lot of these things will now be formulated in the upcoming art bill and uh, we need to you know make sure that things are properly laid down as rules and laws so that none of the ethical issues are breached in the future um sir could uh, you so please sorry could you please elaborate a bit more on what ethical implications can arise if you take a non anonymous donor yeah so if you take a known donor first of all you know the donor also knows forever that this is her baby or his baby so that creates a lot of uh, emotional and psychological issues between the donor and the kid uh, very often it may not be possible that forever this is a hidden secret and most often it will leak out and that will result in huge psychological sequelae to the kids when they find out oh my real mother is you know actually my masi or my uh, fai or something like that so these are all issues that we don't want because it's uh, at a very young age if the kid finds out it's likely to mess up the kids you know psychological well being so yeah. that is main main reason that we do not want any you know sharing of uh, dna material between family members and that's um, that's very important is there also any legal implications of this as well no there are not because if the guidelines have been put down by the icmr which will soon become law and yeah. then uh, obviously if there is violation there will be terms of you know punishment for the clinic involved or the doctor involved or even the couple involved so there will be legislation on most of these issues soon Okay. Um, all in the office right now. It's all guidelines by the ICMR, which we are following for close to more than 15 years now. And yes. most glue clinics do adhere to them because, in case of any medical legal trouble, the guidelines will be valid in a court of law. So right now, all clinics are supposed to adhere to them, anyways. Um, as for surrogacy, which is also such a big industry in India specifically, um, could you please share a bit of light on the current policies for surrogacy in India? so surrogacy is one area which has always been in the media more often for sometimes for bad reasons so we know that you know the uh, the law has been pending for a long long time has been going to and fro and lot of things have been happening there but i think fortunately in the most latest uh, amendments which have been recommended by the parliamentary committee they are taking a very favorable and balanced view you know because initially they said that commercial surrogacy should be totally banned and we should allow only altruistic surrogacy means only a relative or a family member can do a surrogacy but in today's world you know we have nuclear families how many patients would really be able to bring a sister who is in the young age group and who would be willing to sacrifice a year of her life to carry a child you know so it doesn't work out practically if you ask me i've been doing this for almost 27 years if i tell say 100 patients that uh, bring your sister or your baby to be a surrogate mother i would probably get one or two 
yeah. and even those one or two are likely to change their minds once they hear how many injections and how much of the procedure they have to undergo and all those things so altruistic really doesn't work a lot of countries did altruistic and now they are rethinking and going back to the compensated model so what we feel that the best in between path is not to do altruistic not to do commercial but do what is compensated surrogacy yeah. so you know it's win win situation for all the couple gets the baby the mother gets expenses for carrying the child for doing the whole thing for a year and can you know uh, uplift her from poverty which is very important in our context so you know i think it's a very very important means of upliftment because we have so many lovely stories of surrogate mothers who you know who have really it's been life changing experiences for them because you know the money that they get it really helps them to feed their kids better to educate their kids better to maybe start a small business for the husband so i have so many of these stories where it's really a win win situation for all if done properly so it's very important that the mother should not be exploited what has been promised should be fulfilled completely there should be legal contracts in place payment should be directly to her bank account with no in betweens or no agents you know who are going to pocket the money so if you do everything ethically legally and properly it's a really fantastic program and needs to be encouraged for all parties concerned yeah so um, i think the government taking a more favorable view now and we are hopeful that uh, things should be better um could you also please elaborate on any one of the stories if possible there was a mother who came to us about 7 8 years ago and then she did surrogacy and from the money she got she leased a school bus she leased it at that time she yeah. couldn't buy a school bus but she leased a school bus for her husband to drive you know somewhere in ullasagar yeah. and then he started doing well and uh, the business picked up then they bought a second one third one then she uh, did it a second time yeah. for a second baby and again she expanded the business more she even put her brother in law into the same business and today they're running a fleet of buses oh so wow just and you know it's been a whole entrepreneurship you know for yeah. the woman and really done so well for her family and today when we are talking of women empowerment you know upliftment from poverty uh, it's really a very good thing to do you know and it's not like organ transplantation you know a lot of people have mistaken this whole thing that it's like kidney transplant liver transplant you're stealing an organ so basically you're not taking any organ whether it's egg donation sperm donation or surrogate mother all three are very very benign you know kinds of treatment compared to say a liver transplant or a kidney transplant so in a surrogacy she is just okay carrying the baby for 9 months she is not going to lose her uterus or damage her body in any other way she's already had her one kid or two kids before and she is just doing the third pregnancy also we only select mothers who had a smooth normal delivery themselves or a easy cesarean section themselves so the complication rates are really low compared to you know if you take someone who's never had a child before so if all these safeguards are in place for the surrogate mother it's really a very very good program yeah also you know we in october 2015 we banned it for foreigners just completely now you won't believe there are so many so many indians i'm sure you are aware who are married to say an american citizen or a uk citizen right? and even if the other person is of indian origin just this uh, rule which came out in october 2015 says that we cannot do surrogacy for them oh, wow. you know, so it's, uh, it's a bit unfair i feel you know when we are saying can make in india come to india invest in india then why can't they have babies in india you know so it's it's very important that uh, we should again you know open out that channel and let them come in so i think even that is being considered in the latest amended bill that maybe oci and pio will be included uh, for them yeah. one more section you know the bill said okay no same sex couples no singles allowed but now we have uh, 377 you know article 377 which has a uh, legitimized and recognized you know that uh, same sex couples and uh, lgbt community so how will they have babies you know if you don't allow them to avail of egg donor sperm donor and surrogate mother it's impossible and we are taking away a basic human right to procreate so yeah. it's very important that all these as each law gets amended and new things come up 
this whole new brave generation is coming up we have to comply to all their requirements needs and make sure that you know the field of assisted reproduction is able to cater to each and every citizen of the country so yeah. it's very very important that the, the bill has to be inclusive all inclusive taking all this into account yeah so as we've spoken about the bill that focuses more on compensated surrogacy now taking in consideration commercial surrogacy what are the ethical implications that can arise from that no so the main point of the you know the ban was that exploitation that they are paid a pittance a lot of the money is taken away by in between agents you know the person who brings the mother takes away half the money and somebody else pockets the money and the clinics might be making money doctors might be making money so there are a lot of things where unethical practices could have occurred which is why i said that it has to be done legally and that is why our clinic at least we have a medical legal expert we have two in house lawyers and right at the outset we make the entire contract which protects the surrogate mother as much as the couple is protected you know so all parties have to be completely protected comprehensive 40 page contract all terms and conditions of payment are laid down and only direct payments to the surrogate mother's bank account not even to the husband so this is how we ensure that the full and final everything what is promised to her she gets and there is no angle of exploitation anywhere right right in the beginning we have a joint interview with her her husband her family to make sure she is not being forced into it because that was the other aspect that in india you know a lot of these poor women might be forced by their husbands or the in-laws to do the surrogacy just to earn the extra money so this initial interview selection due diligence background check social screening everything is very important to run a good program and that yeah. is why is where all the ethics and uh, things come in so if you really do it well and make sure that the surrogate gets more than what she has been promised then the whole ethical part becomes very clear yeah definitely um so according to you do you think the surrogacy market in india is well regulated no so right now as i told you there is no law and uh, the, we just have the guidelines of the icmr so it's up to the doctors to self regulate because if we don't self regulate someone else will come and regulate us and yes. then that is where go wrong you know like uh, there were some okay maybe some stray reports of something going wrong somewhere and that's why they said okay let's ban the whole thing you know yeah. actually till today there is not a single fir filed anywhere in the country about a surrogate mother you know having uh, being exploited or something having gone wrong with her so the whole basis of this you know is from some unknown origin as to why the ban is coming in the first place when it is such an important procedure you know i have had so many patients who are born without a uterus you know now if a woman is born without a uterus how will she ever carry a baby or the uterus has been removed for some medical reason or she's got blood pressure sugar or something which makes her unfit and dangerous to get pregnant so these are all genuine cases who need surrogacy now where will they go if the procedure is completely banned so it's very important that we have to consider them as well you know and make sure that the procedure is done properly yes maybe we can have a local body uh, the, like the bmc or someone where there is an appropriate authority who makes sure that there is no exploitation that the surrogate has been paid properly you know everything could be regulated rather than banned yes um <clears throat> as, as for some as for like a woman or a man who is not infertile or a couple that's not infertile would would they is it ethical for them to opt for surrogacy as well so why would they no? see given a choice no woman wants to do surrogacy if you ask me after so many years yeah. you know, all this need go so and so doesn't want to spoil a figure and so and so doesn't want to you know is uh, doesn't want to get pregnant and just have a ready made baby this is just hearsay and rumors actually there is no such woman every woman would given a choice be first her mother herself you know because she wants to have the feelings of a pregnancy bonding with the baby breastfeeding which you don't get in surrogate so surrogacy is a last option nobody goes for surrogacy as a first choice 
you know but many at times it this is just a perception that oh so and so did it so and so did it because they didn't want to you know uh, get pregnant themselves but it's not like that you don't know the medical history of that person you don't know what that person has gone through you know because it's a very private uh, the whole thing is a very private affair so yeah. lot of people have problems which they cannot reveal to everyone so that yeah. is very important that you cannot just be judgmental and say ke oh so and so did it for some no reason and that's why the mother was exploited or anything like that. yeah um, so <clears throat> so how do you so other than how do you make the entire how do you how should the government regulate such a country to ensure that um exploitation of of um vulnerable women in surrogacy does not happen while i feel like while bigger clinics that, such as yours i'm sure has lots of ethical like guidelines uh, to ensure that no rule, no regulations are broken but in a country as large as ours how do you ensure that uh, no black black market or no unethical practices of surrogacy are taking place if the black market will <coughs> come in if you ban it if you don't ban there's no question of a black market right yeah. black market will crop up when there is a ban so then people try to find other options and then do things all the wrong way so that's exactly the point that's one more reason why the ban should not come in. regulation yeah. is that difficult today when you have everything other linked and pan card and this and that it's very easy that okay every couple who wants surrogacy has to approach the local municipal body or the local government body with the application uh, and with the doctor certificate that they are genuinely a case for surrogacy then they get registered then the surrogate mother who comes also gets registered there and then all uh, payments and everything is transparent so there is no question of any exploitation that all her expenses have been paid she is well looked after she has a body where she can complain if you know anything goes wrong or things are not done properly with her so all everything automatically gets regulated so all we need to do is just this much and yeah. the really become smooth you know like everything else yes um is there anything else you would like to tell my listeners regarding art as a field in general Uh, there are a lot of exciting things happening in the field, and of course, more and more girls are now, you know, opting for late marriage, delayed childbearing. Yeah. So social easing is becoming very popular. Like about seven, eight years ago, we used to do say five easings in a year. Now it's maybe five to ten a month. So a lot of girls are very clear that okay, I'm going to do my career. I'm not going to settle down till forty. She also knows that by forty, she'll have lost her egg reserve. so social egg freezing is becoming more and more popular and is uh, really coming up in a big way so that's one important area where you actually define you know prevention is better than cure so it's like that so i think that's one area which is interesting secondly of course there are so many advances in the field and the success rates are really going out of the roof now so it's almost you know 50 to 60% what was just 20% say about 15 years ago today we know 6 out of 10 patients who come to our clinic will walk out in the first cycle with a successful life birth so yeah. success rates also very good uh, then all these third party programs also they are very successful and if they are done ethically it's you know proper win win situation for the donors for the mothers and for the couples so yeah. they're definitely much better and will get only better from here on thank you so much doctor i think you've given us a lot of insight into the field of art and i'm sure my listeners will be really excited to hear more about it thank you thank you thank you too all the best hi guys i hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new about art and its ethical implications and i'll see you in the next episode